Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 37. But I want to talk today about the providence of God in everyday life. Genesis chapter 37, verse 18. And when they, that is the brothers of Joseph, saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, the dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. We ask you would encourage us and strengthen us from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Joseph's life is an amazing life to teach the providence of God. I define the providence of God as God working behind the scenes, maybe see it, maybe not, but working within everyday living. You and I will see it every once in a while, but he's working within everyday living. And just as Joseph, we don't really know what God's up to. We'll see it sometimes. But the truth is, we really don't know. We're to trust him. We're to trust that we know that God is working all things to good. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Joseph said in Genesis 50, But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is they to save much people alive. God had a plan. And God worked individually within the life of Joseph's life. And he does the same with you. Maybe not in the grand scale that he did. Maybe not in the way he does with him. But in the same principles and the same God. The fact of providence is real. But secondly, the finding of providence. Sometimes you can see the hand of God. Sometimes you can look back and you say, oh, the Lord was with us. Sometimes you can see it in a circumstance, but you can't always see it. A few weeks ago, Winona's family are living far away, and I thought I had one of the phone numbers. And so I looked it up casually, and I go, well, that's not the same day I got the call. So I forgot it. And then it really got on my mind. I, I need to contact this person. I, I just really do to see how they're, they're doing. And so I looked back up and well, so then I went to Bell's. And I was shopping for shoes and just for a minute and I came out and I had it in my mind, I am determined I have got to go to that phone and I'm gonna call that number, even though it's not the same number that was at the time, but maybe it's them because I didn't have any other number. I'd researched. Well, I walk out of Bell's and guess who I ran into? that person. Hey, they live far away. What are, you, what are you doing here? Oh, hey, we're just coming up here. Wow. Give me your number. <laughs> I have it. How y'all doing? Got a chance. That was an example of the providential hand of God. I saw it. But I don't necessarily see it every day. We do not focus on the experiences of everyday life, but on obedience to God and serving Him 
and trusting that in his sovereignty, in ways we don't even know, he's working it all out to good. And we will see it sometime, but we may not always see it. We can't neglect the fact and not trust in him that he is. We make wise decisions in life on biblical truth and freedom within those things that are not wrong or unbiblical and trust that God is at work working and leading and guiding to the directions and things that he desires but we may not know until eternity. We don't focus only, let me clarify, we don't only focus on the experiences. I don't mean we don't have experiences. I just had an experience there. We have experiences. You tell me experience the Lord worked in your life, I'm going to say hallelujah, praise the Lord. I rejoice in that. But I don't focus exclusively on that. Because if I do, you will tend to neglect clear scriptural teaching. And if you're not careful, you will think because you're having experiences that you're closer to God, while in fact you may be neglecting the teaching of Scripture. Enjoy the experiences, but don't make it every moment. Make it the Word of God. I want you to notice first the problem that Joseph faced. We read it. Verse 18, And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. They said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into the pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dream. They hated Joseph for a lot of reasons, but they hated him. And when they saw him at a distance, they thought, Oh, boy, come on, guys. Let's get together. Let's do something. Ten brothers, let's murder him. Let's kill him. Let's get rid of him, and we'll go back and tell Daddy or some wild beast. Boy, they were, they had great evil designed for Joseph. But I want you to notice the providential hand of God. There are two things. God worked within the circumstances, and God also worked through people. And Joseph's life gives us an occasion so we can see that and trust in him. The first thing he did, he did three things in the circumstances. First, the place where Joseph met up with his brothers. Notice verse 17. He was wandering in the field trying to find his brothers, but they weren't where they were supposed to be. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go up to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan, Alabama. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't Alabama, excuse me. <laughs> I'll tell it later, but that's the place where there's a major route that goes right by the city where they saw the Midianite trailers. They saw them, were able to sell him, put him in Egypt, and he became prime minister. It was the place just where Joseph needed to be. Secondly, verse 21, God protected Joseph. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass, when Joseph was coming to his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors, 
that was on him and they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. They had planned to kill him. They conspired to do it because they saw him at a distance coming. But Reuben intervened and said, let's not do this. Let's just throw him into the pit because you know what Reuben's plan was? This was his plan. I'll calm my nine brothers down. We'll put him into a pit. We'll let him suffer. The, really what the plan was, we'll do it instead of us killing him right off the spot. Let's just put him in the pit. Because his idea was, we'll put him in the pit, we'll starve him, we'll leave, we'll let him eventually die there. That was the plan he was telling them. But secretly, Reuben wanted to come when they weren't looking and take him out and spare his life. The point is, even though they planned evil, God protected him and made sure that they were not able to take his life. The third thing is, in the situation, he provided an alternative. Notice in verse 25. They sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels, bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. First, he worked within the circumstances because without the brothers knowing it, the providential hand of God made sure they were in the right place. Reuben stepped up and protected his life, though he planned to eventually come back and rescue him. But he gave a reprieve to him. You know, he, he calmed his brothers down enough, so we'll just throw him in the well, and then eventually we'll just let him die. But his plan was to secretly help him. And then God worked in the circumstances because rather than kill him, they go, hey, guys, look on the road there. There's some Ishmaelite traders, Midianite traders. Let's sell him there. And you know what happened? Even though their evil was all present, God had one goal in mind. I'm putting him in Egypt, and he's going to become second in command, and he's going to do a great mighty work for me. God sovereignly worked within the circumstances. Let me tell you something. You must trust God daily. Now, I'm not talking about tragedy because this is not a tragedy. I'll leave that to other times and other principles, but no one died here. I'm not talking about that because that can bring up all kinds of questions. I'm simply talking about in the everyday of life, God does work within the circumstances to bring us to where he wants us to be. I went to Columbia Seminary. Everybody, a lot of them didn't really want me to entirely. But there was a couple in our church who lived near there and who had been there and I got to know them and that couple kept telling me what a wonderful place it was to teach you the scripture. And the preachers they knew that were there were just absolutely gifted in teaching the scriptures and it sunk in my heart and God used that to make a big leap and I went to a place where I was taught the scripture, I sat under the wisest man in the world, and I met my wife. God providentially worked within the circumstances. And if you look back, you can see the hand of God in every area of your life. You just may not see it today. So you have to trust he's at work. The second thing, not only does he work through circumstances, 
But he works through people. You and I are under the sovereign hand of God. You may think you're doing everything you want to do. But let me put it this way. It's like putting a ball in my hand. That ball has freedom to walk around my hand or roll around my hand, but God has the hand where he keeps the ball in there. It has freedom within there. People have freedom within there to do all the things that they want to, and you wonder why they're doing what they're doing. It's terrible, it's awful, it's gonna ruin my life. But God takes the whole thing and he moves it where he wants it to. God is in sovereign control and he providentially works and he works through people. The first thing, verse 21. He works with people who have a good motive. Let's read it again. And Reuben heard it and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood but cast him to this pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. He used a person out of the 10 brothers who were sorry. I mean, they were sorry brothers. But he used one brother, Reuben, who was the elder, who had a good motive at this moment. Because as elder, he was over the family and he didn't feel the responsibility or felt the responsibility, we cannot kill our own brother. And he felt the responsibility as the elder to help protect his life. That's why folks, when you have a chance to do good, the Bible says in all situations, make sure that you are good at doing good works and good deeds because you may never know, you may be part of the sovereign hand of God to work in someone's life, to bring good in their life, to encourage them, to help them. And you may not know. Reuben didn't know what was going on. All Reuben saw was in front of him, I must protect my brother because I'm the head of the family. I cannot allow this. This is too evil, brothers. And so he taught them out of it. And here's the key. He was the elder brother who had a certain degree of authority. And they listened to him. God uses people who have a good motive. You may never know what you're doing as you're living life and serving the Lord and doing this and doing that. You have no idea that God's an absolute working. But he'll take just little old you and he'll use that thing you did or that thing you did and you'll have no clue. You'll have no idea what's going on. You won't know the sovereign plan of God, but God may use you in that one little moment to be like Reuben, to help someone and help the providential hand of God. A preacher years ago told of a deep trouble that happened in his family. And he was an evangelist, and he was supposed to go and preach at a church, but because of the trouble, he had to cancel it, and he had to go, and the church had already planned to give him a certain amount of money. And so he went to the hospital, take care of the situation. Everything was okay, but it was a touch and go there, and, and he helped. He said, but you know, I never will forget. Some of the nurses... And some of the doctors knew that I was an evangelist and had to 
leave a very big conference that I had to be at. They didn't know how much they had guaranteed to pay me, but they took it upon themselves to raise money for me. He said, they brought me a check. He said, I will never forget waiting in the hospital. They brought me a check. I showed my wife and said, guess what? That is the exact amount that we were supposed to be paid at this great conference we were at. Good nurses just doing their service for the Lord. And yet God took them and moved things well. Secondly, God uses people with evil motives. The brothers hated Joseph. Now I've had people dislike me or get mad at me. But I never had ten fellas <laughs> plan to meet me and, and kill me. You know, I mean, most of y'all have been pretty good to me. I, I've never met him by the door said, Preacher, that's it. You're gone. No, oh, okay. These were brothers of great hatred and bitterness toward their own brother. God worked through Reuben's life to hinder their evil. But what's interesting, God worked through the whole situation, even with their evil, to move Joseph to Egypt to the exact place he needed to be so that eventually, 13 years later, he would become second in command in Egypt. Now, maybe God doesn't do anything as grand as that in your life, but you have to trust that God has providentially worked. And what I want you to notice in verse 26, not only did he swerve and retain their hatred, but he used their actual greed against them. Verse 26, And Judah said unto his brethren, what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers were content with that. You know what motivated them? Greed. <laughs> Their own greed. And Judah said, hey guys, why are we going to waste doing away with him? Let's make some money out of the deal. So let's sell it. Now let me tell you something. People may hate you. People may be mean to you. People may do all kinds of things because we live in an evil world. But just like he did there, God protects his children to move them where God intends even when evil comes against them. God used their own greed. The citizens of Friedrich, Australia, didn't know what to do. Napoleon's massive army was preparing to attack. Soldiers had been spotted on the heights above the little town, which was situated on the Austrian border. A council of citizens was hastily summoned to decide whether they should try to defend themselves or display the white flag of surrender. It happened to be Easter Sunday, and the people had gathered in the local church. The pastor rose and said, friends, We've been counting on our own strength, and apparently that has failed. As this is the day of our Lord's resurrection, let us just ring the bells, have our services as usual, and leave the matter in God's hands. We know only our weakness and not the power of God to defend us. The council accepted his plan, and the church bells rang. The enemy, hearing the sudden peal of the bells, concluded 
that the Austrian army had arrived during the night to defend the town, and before the service ended, the enemy broke camp and left. How is that possible? The providential hand of God works in his graciousness. Folks, we live in an evil world. We live in a world with pride, selfishness, self-righteousness, grudges, gossip, envy, jealous, love for the world, and all kinds of sinful actions of people who may affect our lives. Now, we're blessed, but it can happen. Not to the degree of that, but you have to trust that God even uses evil people. I'm not talking about they're evil. But they don't get away with it because they're in the hand of God. And God will give them a little freedom to do what they do. But he'll move the thing where he wants it to be. That's what you need to do in trusting in God. Someone wrote a story about a successful peasant farmer who was not satisfied with his lot. He wanted more of everything. One day he received a novel offer. For a thousand rubles, he could buy all the land he could walk around in a day. The only catch in the deal was that he had to be back at his starting point by sundown. Early the next morning, he started out walking at a fast pace. By midday, he was very tired, but he kept going, covering more and more ground. Well into the afternoon, he realized that his greed had taken him far from the starting point. He quickened his pace, and as the sun began to sink low in the sky, he began to run, knowing that if he did not make it back by sundown, the opportunity to become an even bigger landholder would be lost. As the sun began to sink below the horizon, he came within sight of the finish line. Gasping for breath, his heart pounded. He called upon every bit of strength left in his body and staggered across the line just before the sun disappeared. He immediately collapsed and died. Afterwards, his servants dug a grade. It was not as much as six feet long and three feet wide. The title of the story was, How Much Land Does a Man Need? Folks, we live in a country where there are evil people. There are evil bosses. There's some good bosses, but there's some mean bosses. There's some mean people. There's people mean in politics. There's mean in everywhere. There's people mean everywhere, folks. But if they come in your path, you must trust that God will take even their evil and use it for our good. Not only does he use good motives and evil motives, but what's good is God uses people that don't have a motive at all. They just live in their life. Go back to verse 14. Joseph had been wondering, I didn't read the verse before, Joseph had been wandering around trying to find his brothers. And he found this man. Or let me tell you, and he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out the vale of Hebron and came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. <laughs> he was out looking all over. Where are my brothers? I have no idea where they are. And behold, he was wandering in the field. The man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They're departed hence. For I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. You know what this man was doing? Nothing. He's just living his life. He might have actually been a busybody. I don't know. He wasn't a busybody. He might go, I heard him talk. 
He wasn't doing anything. He was just living his life. Joseph come wandering around. Where are my brothers? He said, I heard them. They went down to Dothan. I heard where they went. You see, God not only uses people with good motive and people with an evil motive, but God uses people who just living their lives, doing their thing. Secondly, he used the Midianite merchants in verse 28. Then there passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and so Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. You know what they were doing? Making money. <laughs> they were on a trip, traveling, and they had their goods and said, you know what, we're headed down to Egypt. They didn't know that. We're headed down to Egypt. We're just going down the road, doing our thing. We're headed out of town. Uh, sorry, missus, I won't be back tonight. We're headed out of town. We're going to Egypt. We're going to make some money. We're going to sell our goods. Had no idea of anything. They weren't doing anything mean or bad. Their motives were not bad. But God used them to be sold of Joseph. And when you read chapter 39, guess what? Joseph was sold into the house of Potiphar, who was captain of Pharaoh's guard. And when Joseph got thrown into prison, guess who got thrown into prison with him? The two men closest to Pharaoh. When one was restored, he forgot, but he eventually said, Pharaoh, let me tell you about a man who can interpret dreams. These guys were just making money. And yet they were part of the sovereign hand of God, and they have no idea. John Wesley's father, Samuel, was a dedicated pastor, but there were those in his parish who did not like him. On February 9, 1709, a fire broke out in the rectory at Edgeworth, possibly set one of the rector's enemies. Young John, not yet six years old, was stranded on an upper floor of the building. Two neighbors rescued the lad just seconds before the roof crashed in. One neighbor stood on the other's shoulders and pulled young John Wesley through the window. Samuel Wesley said, come neighbors, let us kneel down. Let us give thanks to God. He has given me all my eight children. Let the house know I am rich enough. John Wesley often referred to himself as a brand plucked out of a fire. In later years, he often noted in his journal, and he gave thanks to his God for his mercy. Samuel Wesley labored for 40 years at that place, and he saw very little and saw very few things happen. But his son, John Wesley, shook up the world. Two neighbors who decided to act to help John Wesley. Bible says in Genesis 37, 29, the third example, and Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. Can I tell you something? Reuben saved his life, but Reuben had to be absent so that the other brothers would sell him to go to Egypt. Because you can rest assured if, Re if Reuben saved his life, Reuben would have again selling his brother into slavery. We don't know where Reuben was. He might have been going down to the local 7-Eleven, get him a Mountain Dew or Pepsi. I don't know what he was doing. He might have been out shopping for groceries. I don't know what he was doing. He was the only brother that wasn't there. He's out there doing his thing or whatever responsibility was. He's the only brother because he needed to be gone so the other brothers would sell Joseph into slavery 
And you know the rest of the story. God took three people, and I probably give you more examples, who had no motive, no concern. They're just living their life. Folks, let me tell you something. Just live your life being faithful to God, ministering wherever you can, caring wherever you can. And if the opportunity comes up while you're in the midst of busy life and an opportunity comes to do a kind deed or whatever else, then do it. You never know how God is using you to move in someone else's life. And secondly... Just trust God. You know, if the Lord says you're coming home, guess what? I'm going home. If he allows me to live a long time, praise the Lord. I'm going to live a long time and serve him. And I don't know what God may use me in. You and I see it every once in a while. We have some that could give testimony of it, of recent days, of the providential hand of God. But the truth is, you need to keep serving the Lord because you never know what God will use you with and how he will encourage you. And you will never know because <laughs> God isn't going to tell you. God isn't going to tell you at all. He's just going to use you. He's going to use you in a good motive. Hopefully you won't be one of the evil motives. <laughs> particular church I knew of years ago, didn't like the new preacher. Couldn't stand him. He reads verbatim his sermons. We just can't stand that. And they didn't like him. So boy, they began to complain and fuss and scream and holler. And eventually, he left. One of the men in the church who was for him said, it's kind of funny. He said, I know where he went. <laughs> He went to a church three or four times larger than our church. <laughs> He's making three times the money he was making here. <laughs> they thought, whoa, we got him. No, you don't. You don't have him. You're not going to get up your way. Oh, I got my way right now. No, you're not. You may be one of the people that God uses to do evil, but God's going to take it in someone's life and he's going to redirect it. You're just a pawn. In the hand of God. So I encourage you today. Trust in the Lord. And wherever you have the opportunity. Be useful to him. Let's pray. Father we love you. We thank you for your precious. Precious word. Teach us. To realize the providential hand of God is at work. And when we see it. And you will show it to us ever so often. Help us to be thankful. Help us to be grateful. And then, Lord, help us to get up the next day and serve you, obey you, and be an instrument of you wherever we go. Help us, Lord, to trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.